Welcome back, Ford Explorers. Before we get into this week's episode, we want to remind you that we have social media. We have Instagram, we have Twitter, and we have a Patreon where you can support us and get a subliminal shout-out. Most importantly, we have our hotline. Typically, we tell you a story, but we want you to tell us a story. So call us or text us the hotline, tell us your story, and enjoy this week's episode. Ford Explorers. I'm the Colonel. This is my son, Caleb. This is the Acid Cat Spirit Hour. As always, we hope you're well, Caleb. How are you? I'm good. I'm good. It's been a weird, chilly, chilly week this week. Yeah, we're in the midst of this ice storm, which I saw had the name Landon, which is funny. It's my youngest <laughs> nephew. It's his name. He's a real agent of chaos, so it's <laughs> fitting. Yeah, shout out Landon. Yeah, uh, last week, sorry about the delay. We had ice storm issues and audio issues. Yeah, and we had a very, very funny audio issue, which we have since sorted out, but we're having some interference. We apologize for the previous couple podcasts. There is a little bit of a feedback uh, in the pod, and we didn't realize it. I'll go back and see if I can't fix it, but uh, for now... We've got better and brighter days with better audio ahead of us. So welcome, everybody. We're happy happy you're here. Hopefully your January wasn't too rough. Ours was, uh, I honestly, at this point, January flies by. Even last year with January 6th, it still flew by. Yeah, no, uh, January is a quick month. I think that's because February is the coolest month of the year. That's true. Uh, it is the coolest month. It's because it's both of our birthdays. Yeah, for those of you who don't know, we put a video up uh, around this time last year that really <laughs> fucked us up in the algorithm because it's only 10 minutes long. And every year, Caleb and I, it's a video of us competing to see who's the best at uh, having a birthday, which is what we do every year. We decide the best birthday boy. So we will be doing that again this year. We're going to get my nephew involved as well because my nephew's birthday is the day after mine. So the three of us together all got those birthdays, right? Right in a line, which does make this the best month. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Without question. Um, ghost report for the week. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I guess, fuck, honestly, kind of two weeks since everybody was, we didn't really get to, sh- we had a ghost report two weeks ago. I swear yeah. you guys <laughs> just didn't really get to hear it. So if you're just joining us, this is your first episode. First of all, welcome. Go watch all the other episodes. They're great. They're fun. Um, but we do a little thing where dad owns a haunted bar and I work at the haunted bar. And so every week I give a ghost report. <laughs> uh, last week, since I didn't get to tell you guys about it, only two big things that happened where uh, the light started changing again. Not just the whole strand, but the individual light. That hasn't happened in a while, so it's fun to see that that's back. And I was washing dishes one night, and the way the bar is set out, uh, the dish pit is facing the wall. And it's kind of a tight squeeze. So Yeah, it's like in the back, you know, like when you're sitting in a bar and you look at a back bar, usually the sink's underneath the bar where you're sitting on just on the other side. But with our bar, I decided to put it in the back bar where the shelves usually are to save space. So it's just right behind. So when you're sitting in the middle of the bar, you're actually kind of looking at the sink. And it is a tight squeeze. So if someone's washing dishes, someone will have to squeeze by to get through. And what we typically do is just to let the person know, we put a hand on their back and say, Coming past you or anything like that. Behind. Behind you. It's customary to say behind. I don't know why you said coming past you. I have never in my entire (laughs) life been like, hey, Caleb, coming past you. You just Uh, say behind. So I felt someone put their hand on my back as if they were coming uh, 
Past you? Past me. <laughs> and so I turned around, and I was like, oh, sorry, no one was there. Ooh. Yeah, the other bartender was in the bathroom. The phantom behind. So <laughs> that's... <laughs> that sounds like a SpongeBob <laughs> episode. It does. <laughs> uh, so that was pretty pretty creepy, feeling a, feeling a hand on my back with no one being there. Yeah. This week, uh, we did take a snow day, so I don't have that much to tell. We did. But one thing was... I saw a bunch of shadows going on in the back. Lady with the long hair likes to chill out there. She, she's she been pretty active. And I straight up just heard someone dragging their feet against a floor when no one was in the bar. Yeah, and we have concrete and wood floors, so, you know, it makes a sound for sure. Yeah. Yeah, that's a that's a in, in, unmistakable. I don't know why I tried to start unmistakable with an I, but, yeah, that's an unmistakable sound. Yeah, so it, it just was, like, small, just shh, shh. Against the concrete floor, and I was like, sick, that's not terrifying whatsoever. <laughs> it's just like a guy outside sanding his shoe down, and you're like, what is going on? <laughs> but yeah, that's that. That's the past two weeks' ghost report. Ghost report, yeah. And again, as always, we extend our invitation to any aspiring or accomplished ghost hunters. If you'd like to come take a gander at my bar, by all means, just leave a comment in this podcast or shoot us a message or something. We'd be more than happy to have you out. We, uh, we, you know, I made a little ghost box a few at the end of last year uh, with a little uh, visualizer speaker. I made a little video about it. Also, sunk us in the algorithm because it's also only fifteen minutes long, and um, we haven't taken that into the bar yet because we've just been kind of busy with holiday stuff but we we need to at some point because there's yeah. definitely there are there are our bar is a bona fide spook show without mm-hmm. question there's nothing but ghosts in there so it'd be worth checking it out but if you want to let us know we'll be happy to let you in uh well today speaking of letting strangers into your home we've been covering a lot of modern cases and mm-hmm. we wanted to cover something a uh, slightly older cold case today something we haven't covered in a while so this one's about 100 years old it's from germany just outside of munich the hinterkaifeck right hinterkaifeck murders hinterkaifeck I guess I could just say it that way. Uh, the Hinterkaifeck murders, which were the murders of uh, two grandparents, their daughter, their grandchildren, and their maid. They were all six of them found bludgeoned to death with a pickaxe after a number of, well, I guess a couple of days of very strange things happening. Mm-hmm. Um, and then they were found, all six of them dead, with, as far as anybody could tell, nobody around to have done it. So we're going to get into that today. Uh, Caleb, why don't you start? Yeah, so like you said, um, strange things started happening in or around Hinterkaifeck at shortly after, shortly before the attack happened. And they live in a, we'll set the scene a little bit too, they live in a little farmhouse. Mm-hmm. Like this is, there's very, um, there's a lot of tropes in this story. You know, yes. They're in a, a farmhouse, there's a barn, they're out in sort of rural Europe, which while the scary, like spooky man in the woods in the US, that comes from the spooky man in the woods in Europe. You know, yeah. those stories all have hundreds of years of being told and it was long before any Europeans came to the US. We've always kind of been afraid of the woods. Yeah, I I mean, I, I like to give this oh, example. We can talk about, sorry to interrupt, but oh, yeah. we could talk about the Beast of Jevenon. You yeah. Know, you guys go back and listen to that episode if you're a first-time listener. That gives you a very good uh, very good idea of why you should be legitimately terrified of the woods. Yeah, I, I love giving the example of when people are like, well, why do they have so many different like stories uh, in Europe of like things happening? And I was like, they have park benches that are older than our country. Yeah, yeah, like, yeah. The, 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 <laughs> You know, there's folklore can become significantly more than that over time. Yeah. And America's just never had the time to create a lot of that stuff. I mean, look at how the Constitution's being treated today. You know, there's, I think that's probably our closest to like true folklore kind of thing. The movement of starting this country is seen as folklore. Yeah. And that's the only thing that persists. That's all anybody continues. And people have totally lost the plot. And we we just like to embellish stories so much, like the Great Chicago Fire. Yeah, how there's that story passed around that it was a cow that kicked over a lantern, the and it's like city. Yeah, 
Yeah, if you don't know that, it's called the Second City because the first one burnt down. Yeah, it's not called the Second City because it's number two. It's not. It's like number five on yeah. the list, if we're being honest. But they call it that because it burned down once and they built back upon the ashes. Anyways, back to the Hinterkaifeck. <laughs> back to 1922 in Germany. Uh, six months before the attack, the family's maid had quit. Um, her main claim for leaving was she kept hearing strange sounds in the attic and believed that the house was haunted. Yeah, this was this is a building that, while it's an unsolved murder case, it uh, there are a lot of allusions to the possibility that a ghost killed these this family. And uh, Andreas oh, Gruber, that's a poltergeist, huh? Yeah, right? somebody <laughs> set me straight in the court. I'm sure I'm wrong about that in the comments, but I believe a poltergeist is a ghost that becomes uh, corporeal and fucks shit up. If it can move stuff, it's a poltergeist. Yeah. Okay. Uh, it's weird. You get or if into... it's a ghost chicken, it's a poultrygeist. Poultrygeist, yeah. That's a good movie, by the way. I didn't even know that. No, I didn't even know that was a movie. Poultrygeist. That's a really good, get really unbelievably stoned. Ideally on like one or two things. Have have some mushrooms. Get, get, we're 100% getting demonetized now. Enjoy yourself. You'll you'll really enjoy that movie. It's good. So uh, Andreas Gruber, the, the father figure of the house, found a strange newspaper from Munich on the property in March of 1922, and he didn't remember buying it, doesn't know where it came from, and initially believed that the postman had accidentally, like, lost it and just left it there, but it wasn't the case because no one in the vicinity subscribed to that paper. Yeah. So, so there's no reason for it to be there. Yeah, so they live outside of Munich, but when we're talking about outside of... Also, I don't know if I said it at the very beginning, but they were murdered somewhere between March 31st of 1922 and April 1st of 1922, which, following the grander... <laughs> Civil traditions, let's hope it was on March 31st, because that's a terrible day to die. Yeah. <laughs> it's a terrible day to tell somebody someone has died. Well, I, as I've uh, told the story before in, I forget which episode, I got stuck in a tree on April Fool's Day, <laughs> and my cousin, who's a notorious liar, well, was a notorious liar growing up, went in, because it was on Easter that year, went into the house and was like, Caleb's stuck in a tree and he can't get out, and everyone's like, ha <laughs> Good one, April Fools, am I right? I was stuck in that tree for hours. <laughs> it says so much about you. So, uh, yeah, so they were finding weird things. You know, the the maid that had quit had claimed that there were a lot of different, like, ghostly activities. Now it's a farmhouse in rural Germany, so the likelihood that it's a lot of wind and that the building's moving and stuff like that, it's easier to sort of, I don't know, what do you think, to, to sort of excuse away as that? Yeah, I mean. And also it's a maid, so I have a feeling that there probably wasn't the utmost respect paid to her opinions it's it's an older house it's the 20s i mean my grandparents live in a house that was built in the 70s and it creaks and cracks all the time and we joke that it's a ghost yeah i mean i have a we talk about and we ghost hunted here now i think my house is haunted but this house is also i mean this house goes back to the middle of the 19th century so i mean it's who knows but still the rural specifically being a farmhouse to me I grew up rural, and I can tell you that pretty much every building makes a lot of noise when you go to sleep. Yeah, and anytime there's wind, if it's a completely wood house like that, it's going to moan and creak. Yeah, but that being said, this is the Essacat Spirit Hour, so we're going to divulge how it could have been a ghost. Yeah, uh, well, just days before the murders, uh, Andreas also told neighbors he discovered tracks in the fresh snow that led from the forest to a broken door lock in the farm's machine room. So that's another weird thing that happened before this attack. Uh, and later that night, they even heard footsteps in the attic, but Andreas uh, found no one when he went searching the building, and he told several people about all these observations. He refused to seek help, and he would not tell the cops. 
Well, he probably just thought it was absurd. You know, yeah. it was probably this feels a lot like Amityville. For those of you who didn't listen to that episode, we discussed Amityville, but not like the actual haunting, the murders that really did happen. But we talk about it less like, ooh, here's this spooky curse and more. Was this a hoax? Uh, because it seems like a lot of Amityville, at least afterwards, was a hoax. Mm -hmm. And a lot of it was kind of put on to get attention. He probably didn't feel dissimilarly. I know this is 1922, but we've felt this way as long as we've been able to feel this way. A kid comes up to you and goes, there's a boogeyman in my closet. And you go, yeah, sure there are. Yeah. What's interesting is that the broken door on the outbuilding, I'm guessing if you followed the foot. If you followed footsteps and you found them all the way out there, my guess is the reason they wouldn't be upset about it is it might have been customary for people who were crossing property, which is still customary, by the way, in a lot of places, including in the U.S. Um, if you're crossing somebody's land, it's very common to try to sort of pitch a tent or you're not you're just passing through. Yeah. So maybe he saw it as like, oh, well, he was just seeking shelter because I mean, it's in March. It's in Germany. It's snowing. It's not unbelievable that I just. It's not unbelievable that he could have been nice about it, but it does. It strikes me as odd that you find footprints and you're just like, no, I'm not going to talk to the cops about it. I mean, yeah. you should at least investigate. Maybe like lock the doors. I don't know. Like, there's there's a, a theory slash reason that people believe he didn't reach out to the cops, and that is because according to um, Castiza's uh, friend at school, uh, the young girl said that her mother Victoria, so that's the granddaughter. Just yes, that's the granddaughter. That her mother, so Andreas's daughter, Victoria, had fled the farm the night before the violent act happened after getting into an argument and was found hours later in the forest, like just hiding out in the forest. So a bunch of people are wondering if he didn't report any of this to the cops because there was some like domestic issues going on as yeah, well. Yeah, he was, he was fighting with his what? Well, with his daughter. With his daughter, yeah. yeah. Um, that brings us to March Fully 31st. grown daughter. Yes, yeah. These are grandparents. We should, I guess we should probably do a quick inventory of the people involved here. You want to do that real quick? Yeah, so uh, there are six people in yeah. the house. Uh, there was Andreas Gruber, who was 63 years He's old. He's the grandfather. Yes. Uh, Castiza Gruber, who and was... And the owner of the property. Yes. Uh, Castiza Gruber, who was 72. Uh, she is Andreas's wife. Yep. Um, their widowed daughter, Victoria Gabriel, who was 35. Victoria's children, also Castiza who was seven, and Joseph, who was two. Uh, and then they had their maid, uh, Maria Bumgardner, and I will talk about her now. Yeah, because she wasn't it her first day? Uh-huh. Dude, what a, that makes me think of clerks. Like, I'm not even supposed to be here. Yeah. Like, right as this ghost is planting a pickaxe in her forehead, she's like, fuck, I'm not even supposed to be here today. Shiza. <laughs> On the afternoon of March 31st, 1922, it was a Friday, uh, the new maid, Maria Baumgartner, arrived at the farm. That's why you never start work on a Friday. You'll die. <laughs> yeah. That's the old saying. You know, work on a Wednesday, you'll be fine. Work on a Friday, you're dying. <laughs> you never you never, <laughs> you never, never fire somebody on a Monday, and you never start your job on a Friday. So Maria's sister actually had brought her there and left the farm after a short stay. And she, she was, was annoying as fuck. Yeah, she was like, hey, I know these people. Their old maid had just left because the house was haunted. You need this job. Well, yeah, I mean, it's, you know, it's like, oh, God, what was uh, Ty West's first movie? The one about the babysitter in the, the house with the, the family in the cult. Sorry, spoiler alert. <laughs> well, I don't remember the name of it, so I'm not actually spoiling anything. Just pretend you didn't hear the director's name. But it's the same idea, right? It's like, yeah. Yeah, you need the job. You need the money. And sure, I would imagine in that line of work, I don't, we don't know a ton of maids. My mom was a maid for a little while, but... I would imagine if you lined up a bunch of maids that worked in a place where there were uh, a lot of old houses, 
and you were like, why is it quick aside? Why do we always say like line them up or set them down? Or we're always talking, you know, that's a weird thing to say. If you spoke to a number of maids, um, I, I bet a lot of them would say that the houses they work in are haunted or that, yeah. I mean, look at us, like we're hospitality people. And I can tell you that half the bars I've ever worked in are probably haunted. You can say the same thing. Oh, I worked at a haunted country club. Yeah. Like, yeah. so I think, I think she probably saw it and was like, yeah, no shit. It's yeah. a house. I know. Yeah. So <laughs> how much do you pay? It's an old farmhouse, and we're in the middle of Germany. Yeah, it's probably pretty <laughs> fucking haunted. There might be some mines out there, actually. It's 1922. Yeah, there's probably some World War One mines. It's not haunted as much yet, because we haven't gotten to World War Two. and they're like, World War Two. <laughs> <laughs> so Marie's sister was like, hey, you need this job, have this job. Stayed for a little bit and left. Many like people she's feeding her soup. Here, you need this job. Have some, have some. <laughs> Many people believe that Maria's sister is the last person to see everyone alive. Oh, wow. Well, that's a burden, huh? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, so just trying to feed her that job. It appears that in the late evening... Do you uh, think she pushed her? I, I know I, you've been able to... People are probably listening. They're like, let him finish the sentence. <laughs> but do you think she was probably like... I feel like between the two sisters, there must have been a moment where she was like, okay... I appreciate what you're doing here, but I'm just going to go ahead and leave. Because you can't, I'm trying to think of what it would be like if I went and dropped you off at a place, like a house, a rural house where you were going to start working. When do you leave? Because if you don't leave right away. Like, whoa, well. Um, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like, all right, sis, uh, I guess you got to clean the place. Like, so. yeah, if you don't leave at the first sunset, when do you leave? Yeah. I guess I live here now. <laughs> Victoria was walking around. Her seven-year-old daughter, she was in the house at the time. Her daughter, Castiza, was in the house, and both of her parents, uh, both of Victoria's parents, Andreas and also Castiza, were all in the house when they heard some things outside in the barn, and Victoria went to go check first, and she gets up, and she leaves the house and walks to the barn and doesn't come back. So her daughter um, is like, oh, well, mom's still out there, decides to go into the barn also doesn't come back. So now people's interests are peaked. Well, yeah, dude. It, it, interests are peaked. I think they're concerned. Yeah. Two members of a five-person family, two different generations of this family just disappeared into their own barn. Yeah. It's worth investigation. So Victoria and her daughter have gone out to the barn. Uh, the parents are left, so Andreas and Castiza... Uh, Senior, I guess, is what you'd call her. Yeah, well, the, yeah, the grandparents are left. They just, I would imagine that they didn't really, They, uh, judging by how uh, Andres approached all of this, I think he was probably like, whatever. Yeah. Dude, could you imagine whatevering a ghost killing your fucking daughter and grandchildren? Like, what did you do? I was like, I don't give a fuck. Just go in the barn. I don't care. Two-year-old Joseph was asleep in his bassinet. As he should be. And Mar Joseph. <laughs> Maria Baumgartner uh, was in her room, which the bassinet was in. So okay. she was kind of unpacking, well, yeah, getting ready. Yeah, yeah, she's watching the baby. Getting ready for everything. So the two grandparents also, after a while, realize that their daughter and granddaughter are just gone, like haven't come back. So they get up, and they go into the barn, and they also don't come back. Okay, this barn has a hole in it. So what actually is happening is they're being lured into the barn through the stable where they are being murdered one at a time. With a Matic. This 100% is a contract in Hitman. Yeah. I have done this before. I've thrown the same coin over and over again <laughs> and killed five like, subsequent huh? guards just Whoa. to get to the target. Uh, so, like you said, a Matic, it's like a pickaxe. It's it's the pickaxe yeah, you I see. I keep calling it a pickaxe. It's like the one from, um, uh, what's it called? Shawshank. It's like the rock hammer he has in Shawshank. Yeah, it's instead of it being a, a, a pointy pick, it's you the flat. You think it was Andy Dufresne? <laughs> 
He did kill he said, his wife. This really is a Shawshank Redemption. What if, yeah, there's a sequel. What if Andy Dufresne did, in fact, kill his wife and the man that she was cheating with, then broke out of prison, and went to Mexico, to... and just continued to murder cheaters? That'd be interesting. That'd and, what be interesting. We, and what we don't know is that one of these two were cheating. Or maybe it was Maria. Maybe he was just there for Maria. Could have been. Could have yeah. been. Uh, or Victoria, maybe some. That's true. Yeah, maybe because she, like, was, a she widow was a widow lover. Yeah, she was. It's <laughs> <laughs> funny what we both chuckled about that in such a creepy way, but that's a funny way to say it, a widowed lover. Yeah, that sounds like an '80s pop song. Uh, anyways, so he's killing people. <laughs> blows to the head with this, just one at a time. <laughs> one at a time. They and walk in. Him in too. Do you think it was like with gold? Do you think it was with song? Like, what do you think he used? Was there like a little fairy that was like, "Hello, come this way, my friend." You follow hey, like a listen. little rabbit or something? Because this feels, you know. Like, if it was a ghost, I like to think that it's, like, a supernatural, like, boogeyman, yeah. you know? Or boogie person, I should say. Yeah. <laughs> boogie Bo- them. Boogie down productions. <laughs> so, boogie after... Them, boogie they them. After getting the four, uh, <laughs> the perpetrator then moves to the house uh, where he takes the weapon with him. He sadly kills... Well, that, that would be a dumb fucking thing to leave behind. Yeah. <laughs> he sadly kills Joseph. Yep. Uh, in his sleep, and also Maria in her room. What if this was a time traveler who thought that was the the Hitler family? And he just picked the wrong family. He's like, you're going to go back to Germany. It's right outside of Munich. It's like they lived two fucking ranches down, and he just picked the wrong. This is John Titer, and he picked the wrong house. He's like, weird. Kid seems a little young. It's like, in like 13 years, he's supposed to rule. Ah. <laughs> it's like in Mandalorian when Grogu's 52 years old or whatever, and he's just like, oh, I'll deal with it. I don't care. Yeah. Maybe it's the same situation. Tyler was like, you know, it was weird that I needed that really specific computer, too. So I guess this is what I got to do. And, man, and there's like a shitty teenager, uh, Hitler, couple doors down, shittily drawing German shepherds. And he's like, man, I really hope I get into art school. Uh, <laughs> he's killing a baby with yeah. a pickaxe. He's like, I got him, boss. I got him. <laughs> He's like, what the fuck? That's a wrong guy. He's on the phone. He's like, listen, I kind of zoned out when you told me when and where I was supposed to go. You had me kill a kid. I had to kind of block some shit out. You're in Munich. He's in fucking Austria, dude. You're not even in the right place. He's like, well, I'm in the right year. Got me some slack. Time travel's hard. What if it is? I know we've gone too far already. What if it is really hard? It probably is. So, um... Four days passed between the murders and the discovery of the bodies. So on April 1st, uh, coffee sellers Han and Edward, their brothers, arrived in Hinterkaifeck to take an order. The Hinterkaifeck Coffee Brothers? The Hinterkaifeck Coffee Brothers, <laughs> um, who are door-to-door coffee salesmen. Dude, that sounds like a tongue twister for children. <laughs> Hinterkaifeck Coffee Brothers. Hinterkaifeck Coffee Brothers. Hinterkaifeck Coffee Brothers. Uh, that's what we do every they time. They fucking show up and we die. <laughs> yeah, they're like, you want an order? <laughs> you want you beans? Guys, I didn't know you guys were ghosts. <laughs> so uh, they knock on the door and no one responds. They knock on the window and no one responds. And then finally, they're they're like, what's this <laughs> another structure we can knock on? <laughs> we knock on door. <laughs> we knock on window. Oh, I knocked on mailbox. <laughs> so they then walk the property and realize that they can't find anyone. But they do notice that. Anyone? Nine. <laughs> They do notice that the gate to the machine house was open. And, and they cared about it. Yeah. Leave it to the coffee boys to they're care. Like, they're like, that's weird. And then they leave. Uh, and then they also realize that uh, the granddaughter was absent without excuse for the next few days from school. And the family had failed to show up for Sunday worship. 
Yeah, I was going to say back then it was probably a little more difficult, especially with a rural family, to know just exactly when they disappeared, you know? Yeah. <laughs> because nowadays, if you went missing, we'd know by 5 p.m. on a Monday, you know? <laughs> so three more days go past. That was on April 1st. Three more days go past. Okay, so this is like <laughs> give or take four days. And assembler Alf, uh, Albert Hoffner went to Hinderkaifik on April 4th to repair the engine of their food chopper. And he stated that he didn't see any of the family members, and the only sounds he heard were of farm animals and the dog inside the barn. And he waited around for an hour, and he was like, ah, well, I guess no one's home. I'll just fix what I came here to fix. That's good so enough. he went into the machine room and started working on his repairs, and he completed... Excuse me. Nice. Oh, man. No, just two. Okay. <laughs> uh, he completed them in roughly four and a half hours. So he okay. was, just went in, did some work, repaired it, was like... But, All right. he was, but he was on the property for about five hours. Yeah. And that was four days later. Mm-hmm. And he didn't notice anything? He didn't notice anything because the machine house was separate from... From the barn. You know what's very funny about all this is this damn machine house. It's like Andres didn't care about it initially, and it's probably what got him killed. Yeah. And then the coffee boy saw it and didn't think much of it. And then this guy comes and spends five hours inside of it and still doesn't think anything of it. They really needed that outbuilding to be closer to the house. So around 3.30 that day, uh, Lorenz Schlittenbauer... God bless Germany. Yeah, German names are fun. They really are. Sent his son, Johan, who was 16 years old, and stepson, Josef, who was 9 years old, to Hinterkaifeck to see if they could make contact with the family. And uh, when they reported that they did not see anyone... <laughs> make contact makes... I mean, I know it's us, right? So um, in my mind, they just took, like, a colander and a shortwave radio, and they were like, can you hear us? <laughs> um so they go, and they were like, hey, we can't find anyone. So Schlittenbauer uh, headed to the farm himself with Michael Poole and Jacob Skill. Nice. Uh, who, upon entering the barn, they found the bodies of Andreas, his wife, his daughter, and their granddaughter all murdered in the barn. And they're like, oh, shit. So they go and check the house, and they... Yeah, oh, shit, that's what they said. They went, oh, shit, bro. It's no. <laughs> Nine. They then go into the house and find Yosef uh, and Maria as well, and that's when they decide to call the police. <laughs> yeah. What the, I mean, I think... I mean, that's what you kind of have to do at that point. <laughs> I think it was less that that's when they chose to call the police, and that's just, okay, it's cop time. It's cop time. We, uh, hey, we, cop. We found all the people. They are all dead. Time to cop. <laughs> hey, guys, you know how we've been missing those people for like five days? Well, found them. <laughs> You're not going to believe it. They're dead. Uh, I guess it's your guys' turn. You're supposed to come here now. Um <laughs> So, the investigation pursues. Inspector... We made contact. Uh, George Reingruber. Yeah, that one's a good one. And his colleagues from the Munich Police Department. Uh, Especially because the family's the Gruber family. They are the Grubers. Yeah. Um, Do you think this is why Hans is so pissed off? Hans in, in Die Hard? He's a... He's a it's for his family. Yeah, he's from the lineage. I don't know how. But he he escaped. He was one of the. We don't know this. They had another child. He was the third child of Victoria <laughs> exactly. Hans. Maybe. Well, you know, maybe the uh, maybe the widower, maybe the the dead, or I guess that's not what it's called, but just the dead husband. Yeah. Maybe he had another child. Could have. Yeah. But then Gruber wouldn't have been. Anyway. Yeah. Gruber wasn't her last name. <laughs> the cops start investigating. Uh, initial investigations were hampered by the number of people who interacted with the crime scene. Uh, move bodies and items around, and even cooked and eaten meals in the kitchen. Yeah, that's so fucking rude. Yeah. Also, what would drive you to do that? What I mean, hunger. Yeah. Have a Snickers. 
don't start cooking and that's such a man what an old timey thing to do how often do you think that happened i've never thought about that before i'm having a lot of questions hit my head all at once do you think that where else do you think that happened like do you do you think that happened in any other prominent crime scenes do you think at oj's house they stopped and made some bacon or something so oh i guess the cops probably don't make bacon no that's cannibalism yeah um there's i forget the comedian but there's a great stand-up bit where it's like before forensics became a thing and they're like boss there's a pile of blood over here and he goes Gross. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so what the fuck are you supposed to do? I mean, yeah. there's nothing you can do. Yeah, that's okay. Well, I guess maybe bully on me, but I still feel like you shouldn't cook food in a dead guy's house. Hey, they're not going to use it, you know? <laughs> I mean, that's strong reason. Good logic, son. You want some? No, still dead? Got it. <laughs> no. I made some for both of us. Oh, you don't want any? More for me. <laughs> is this bacon or is this skull fragment? So, uh, days like I said, they were going, and days after the discovery of the bodies, court physician Johann Baptiste Amuller uh, performed the autopsies in the barn, and he he was like, "Well, I think, I think the murder weapon is a matic." He's like, "There's no murder weapon here." Well, and this guy too had to be confused too because he had to be like, "How?" It seems like well. Maybe I should stop myself because I don't know that they had the forensic technology to really know exactly when somebody died. But he had to have, I wonder if he thought, like, because even now, if you had to rebuild that with modern tools, it would be very difficult, I think. Again, correct me in the comments if I'm wrong, but I feel like it would be very difficult to reconstruct exactly that time, you know, because if they were killed like 15 minutes apart, it looked like they were killed at the same time. Yeah. And that's got to be the weirdest look. Do, 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 John Wick with an ice axe in here? What the fuck happened? killed by Laura Croft. They can kind of tell how long it took them to die because evidence showed that the granddaughter had been alive for several hours after the assault. She had torn some of her hair out in tufts while lying in the straw. Oh, wow. And he then took all of their skulls. The... The physician, not the murderer, <laughs> took all of their skulls, uh, removed them, and sent them to Munich where they were further examined. And the police continued their investigation, and they were like, oh, well, it was clearly a robbery. That was their first instinct. I mean, they're like, a, that, what kind of robbery is that, though? Because they weren't tied up. They weren't, you know? Exactly. Like- so <laughs> they started interrogating traveling craftsmen, vagrants, and other inhabitants of the surrounding villages. And they started looking at the house more, and they're like, oh, well, there's, like, a large amount of money in the house, so I guess it wasn't robbery. And, like, everything's in there. It, it's such a funny, yeah, that's, like, nowadays they'd be, like, they'd walk into this scene and be like, ah, this must be a drug deal gone bad. Yeah, um, so they continued to look throughout the house, and they realized that uh, it was clear that the perpetrator or perpetrators remained at the farm for several days. Ooh, fascinating. Because uh, someone had fed the cattle. Oh, that was nice of him. Or them. <laughs> uh, eaten an entire supply of bread from the kitchen <laughs> and had recently cut meat from the pantry, like dried meat from the pantry, which as we were doing research and we were talking about it, I was joking. Imagine someone comes to your house, kills you, and then unloads the dishwasher, <laughs> like <laughs> does your chores. <laughs> yeah, there's a lot of like mixed feelings about that. Like They start you, eating but... your food and they're like, oh shit, there's no clean plates. Like, I guess I'll do the dishes real quick. Well, this dude just like shows up. He it's like there was a case. I guess we could cover it at some point where a kid basically convinced this family he was who he was and he wasn't that he was their kid and he wasn't and he lived with them. And to me, it kind of feels like that. Like, what if he showed up 
was better at being you and just like took assumed your personality and you just had to live with the fact that you got snaked by a dude who was better at you than you are. Uh I know <laughs> well, you die with the fact you wouldn't live with shit. I know you haven't seen it but you just described uh the villain of season 4 of JoJo's Bizarre Adventure. <laughs> <laughs> Could you imagine? I can. They did a whole arc about it. Uh he's <laughs> better at being you than you are. No, so they uh with no clear motives to be gleaned from the crime scene. They're like well, let's just like make some suspects and let's just make some up. Let's create some. That's classic <laughs> fucking <laughs> police behavior right there. Um, despite repeat arrests, no murder was ever found and the files were closed. It was turned into a closed uh, cold case at 1955. Um, n- nonetheless, 33 years later. Yeah. N- nonetheless, the last interrogations took place in 1986 um, before one of the head commissioners retired. Okay. Um, there's some inconsistencies with the, the scene and the investigation, though. Okay, let's start there. So the inspection record of the court commission it is noted that the victims were probably drawn into the barn by restlessness and the stable, resulting in noises from the animals. Um, but in a later attempt, it revealed that human screams couldn't even be heard from the barn if you were in the living area. Oh, man. N- even so, like, you couldn't hear animals being restless. See, that's what I'm saying. I think it was a ghost, and I think it manifested as, like, a little cute bunny. And they're like, <laughs> oh, let me follow you, bunny. And then, mmm, so, ice axe in my face. Uh, one night after the crime, three days before the bodies were discovered, mm-hmm. uh, the artisan Michael uh, Plockel, I believe is how you pronounce his last name, Probably happened <laughs> to pass by Hinderkaifik, and he observed that the oven had been heated by someone. And that person had approached him with a lantern and blinded him, whereupon he hastily continued on his way. He oh. was like, he was like, oh, the oven's warm. The oven in the barn was warm. And he was like, oh, I, and someone was like, hey, get out of here. He's like, I'm sorry, and left. He also noticed that smoke from the fireplace had a disgusting smell. Uh, but this instance was not investigated, and there were no investigations conducted to determine whether there was something being burned that night in the oven. It was sulfur because they were a time traveler. I've got two full conspiracies (laughs) going here. Left brain, right brain. Uh, Another inconsistency is on April 1st at 3 a.m., the farmer and butcher, Simon... Oh, man. This has one of the crazy letters in it, the squiggly B. Oh, it's it's still basically a B. Is it? So, uh, Simon Ryblander? Okay. uh, On the way home near Bruin, saw two unknown figures at the edge of the forest. When the strangers saw him, they turned around so their faces could not be seen. And later, when he hear, heard of the murders, he thought it was possible that those strangers might have been involved. Yeah, well, I, with the two, I mean, if we do want to get out of my dumb acid-fueled conspiracy realm and into reality, it would probably take two people. If you're talking about drawing people out to this barn that's far enough away that you can't hear screams when you're out there, because why did they keep going out there? Yeah. They said that they heard stuff in the barn. It seems more likely that they saw something in the barn, yeah. maybe like a light or something. Because if you couldn't hear that from the house, and also if you kept hearing stuff, why would you go one at a time? That also yeah. really, maybe that's just like a, they needed a buddy system. Yeah. Yeah. 100%. Um, another inconsistency is in the middle of May 1927, way past the murders, five years after the murders, a stranger was said to have stopped a resident of uh, Weidhofen at midnight. He asked him questions. <laughs> that sounds like a that sounds like a, a Whitehofen at midnight. Yeah, like a quest in and of itself. You must stop a stranger at Whitehofen at midnight. 
Um, he asked him questions about the murder and then shouted that he was the murderer before running into the woods. <laughs> I mean, that's cuckoo, but let's be honest, it fits his MO. I had a situation like that once. I used to run, the statute of limitations is way up on this, but I used to run an illegal late night bar. And uh, I had it for a number of years. And I remember I was leaving my normal bartending job one, one night, me and a buddy of mine were, and we're standing on the street corner. And it had been a while since I had had that bar running, probably closed down all six months before that. Nothing happened. I just, you can only do that for so long. Uh, I had to stop so I could talk about it now. And uh, we had a guy walk up to us in the corner and ask us if he was like, yeah, I was here like a year ago. Do you know where this, there was like this late night illegal place. And we're like, no, man, sorry. Don't know what you're talking about. It was, uh, I feel like it's probably the same kind of feeling. (laughs) It reminds me of like the Skeletor meme. Yeah. It's like, you know, if you call the cops on someone, you're just as bad. See you later. (laughs) Um, and the last one was less than a year after the murders and after the murder investigation, uh, the farm was completely demolished, revealing additional evidence. So the that's ma- such a German approach. Yeah. Like in America, when so we talked about the Bridgewater Triangle last week, well, two weeks ago, uh, and, you know, there's a lot of haunted places in there, but the... Sorry, what's the name of the woman with the, why can't I think of it? The axe murderer that's at the bottom. Oh, Lizzie Borden. Yeah, the Lizzie Borden house is, everybody goes in, they look at it, they celebrate it. And obviously we're in that group. We like taking photos. We like that stuff too. However, it's very funny that in Germany they're like, oh no, 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 no. Tear the fucking house down. Yeah. Figure out if it was haunted, find out what was going on. And if it was haunted, scorch the earth. And I don't know, put a big electrical trap in the ground in Oklahoma or something. Um, So what they found when they demolished the house was the actual Matic was hidden in the attic. The Matic in the attic. The Matic in the attic. Well, there's the name of the episode. <laughs> Roll credits. And a pin knife was found hidden in the hay in the barn. Well, you know, it's hard. It's like okay. finding a, uh, a pin knife in a, in, a, <laughs> in a haystack. Yeah, a pin knife in a haystack. So that brings us to the suspects, yeah. the unusual suspects. So we've got this dead family. We mm-hmm. had some activity going on in the barn. Somebody may have been in there. They heard things out there somebody could have been cooking in there at some point and uh no one's ever been caught it's still very much an an open case yes so the first one carl gabriel okay carl gabriel was the husband of victoria gabriel okay the daughter okay he was reportedly killed in france by a shell attack uh december 1914 during during the first world war however his body was never recovered Ooh. We all know, guys, what's the first rule? Nobody, they're not dead. So uh, after the murders, people began to speculate if he had indeed died in the war, and Victoria had given birth to Joseph in her husband's absence. So two-year-old Joseph was rumored to be the son of Victoria and her father, Andreas. Whoa! Due to an incestuous relationship that was documented in court and known in the village. Um, It has been found that he was raping his daughter, and the town convicted both of them for incest. Okay, so that explains why he didn't call the cops when he saw the footprints. I see what you're talking about yep. now. Uh, and when she was found, uh, when the daughter said at school that her mom w- got in an argument and ran to the forest. She w- didn't get in an argument. She probably got away from getting raped by her dad. Yeah. Trigger warning, by the way. We're not intentionally throwing that stuff around. But um, At the end of the Second World War, war captains um, from the... Sh- Rodbenhausen region were released prematurely from Soviet captivity, claimed that they had been sent home by a German-speaking Soviet officer who claimed to be the murderer of Hinterkaifeck. Interesting. Mm-hmm. Uh, many theorized... <laughs> and then he ran into the woods. <laughs> and he said, see you later! <laughs> uh, many theorized that the Soviet might have been Carl Gabriel because those who claimed to have seen the man 
after his reported death, testified that Gabriel had wanted to go to Russia. Oh, fascinating. So maybe he was playing pretend mm-hmm. and was the... He, I mean, it would make sense. It's interesting that he... It's. I wonder why he'd kill his daughter, though. I could understand actually all of the rest of that. Yeah. I could see... Because for this to be believable, I could see him wanting to kill his wife. I could see him wanting... I could see him being alive still. The... We're just talking about the Great War here. The First World War was not the easiest place to keep track even, of dead bodies. Well, even up to... Especially if it was in a shell attack. It's like, well, yeah. I, I think he's dead. He was in that room. That room's gone. I think he's dead. Yeah, uh, we've talked about before, up until, I want to say, the mid-70s, it'd be super easy to fake your death. Yes, absolutely. It's, of course, way harder now. Yeah. But like, but still a welcome challenge. Yeah, if you want to do it, do it. Yeah. We'll help. Yeah. I mean, we won't. That's a crime, <laughs> but we'll help. Uh, we'll talk about it. So... Yeah, you could easily, you could even just, I don't know, put on like a fake mustache after the shell attack and been like, oh man, fucking Carl Gabriel was in there, man. And then walk away. He's and Carlos he, Gabriel. Yeah, who are you? Sombrero and a fake mustache. <laughs> says, I'm Carlos Gabriel. <laughs> I am a Mexican soldier well, I mean, from if, Germany. <laughs> if he's pretending to be a Soviet, yeah. you know, who spoke German. Yeah, um, yeah. So yeah, that could easily be a suspect. And yeah, he has he has a cause. He has a motive. Yeah, that's interesting. That's a fascinating one. But still, the, so my hang up on it being Carl is his daughter. I don't think he would kill his daughter. I think he could kill the incest son. Mm-hmm. I think he could kill the parents. I think he could even kill the maid, which honestly, on the scale of cruelty here, is higher than a lot of the rest. That's just casually. Did, yeah, well, but that's the other way around too, right? Yeah. Like, it's like, man, I fucking hate all you and I'll kill all It's that scene in uh, in um, Half-Baked when he's like, fuck you, fuck you, fuck you, you're cool, fuck you, I'm out. This is how the maid is. It's like, man, I'll kill every. I, I don't, I don't really know need to you. kill you. Like, you seem nice. It's your first day fun. Wrong place, wrong time on that one. Yeah, yeah. I'm sorry. Uh, next suspect. We've heard of him before. And he well, is back. Lorenz Schlittenbauer. Lorenz Schlittenbauer. So shortly after the death of his first wife in 1918, Lorenz Schlittenbauer was believed to have a relationship with Victoria and Father Joseph. Man, all of this is about Joseph. Yeah. Uh, Schlittenbauer came under suspicion by locals early in the investigation because of his several suspicious actions immediately after the discovery of the body. So when Schlittenbauer and his friends arrived to investigate, they had to break the gate to enter the barn because all the doors were locked. However, immediately after finding the four bodies in the barn, Schlittenbauer apparently unlocked the front door with a key and suspiciously he entered the key? house alone. He had a key? So a key to the house had gone missing several days before the murders, although it is possible that Schlittenbauer, as a neighbor and as Victoria's potential lover, might have been given a key. But when asked by his <laughs> companions why he had gone into the house alone, when it was unclear if the murder was still there, Schlittenbauer allegedly stated that he went to look for his son, Yosef. Interesting. But if you remember, Schlittenbauer had a nine-year-old son also named Yosef. That's true. He did, yeah. Yeah. Uh, who he who sent there first. Who was one of the children who, yeah. Yeah. Regardless of any of the above rumor, it is known that Schlittenbauer had disturbed the bodies at the scene, thus potentially compromising the investigation. Interesting. So for many years after the murders, local suspicion remained on Schlittenbauer because of his strange comments, which were seen as indicating like, knowledge of details I that, bitch. that only the killer would know. And according to reports in the files of the case, local teacher Hans, oh man, <laughs> Y-B-L-A-G-G-E-R. <laughs> Yblogger. Yblogger? Hans Yblogger <laughs> discovered Schlittenbauer visiting the remains of the demolished uh, Hinton Kaifik in 1925. 
Ooh, returning to the scene of the crime. Mm-hmm. Upon being asked why he was there, Schlittenbauer stated that the perpetrator's attempt to bury the family's remains in the barn had been hindered by frozen ground. Uh, this was as evident that Schlittenbauer had intimate knowledge of the conditions of the ground at the time of the murders, although being a neighbor and familiar... Yeah, I was going to say, yeah, but he's their neighbor. Like, yeah. He shares that ground. He may have been making an educated guess. But what a weird thing to say in response. And somebody's like, hey, man, like, it's... <laughs> Hey, how'd you uh, how'd you know the bereaved? And he's like, oh, uh, when they tried to bury him, the ground was too hard in their barn. Oh, oh, cool. I was their milkman. Um, yeah. Great to meet you, though. Uh, another speculation was that Schlittenbauer murdered the family after Victoria demanded financial support for Yosef. Okay. Well, she was a widow. And, she wouldn't have been working. Uh, before his death in 1941, Schlittenbauer actually conducted and won several civil claims for slander against people who described him as the murderer of the Hinterfeld. Interesting, but I wonder, you know, the terms of those cases also, you know, that's definitely not cut and dry. That shouldn't be taken as, you know, that means that he was innocent. However, I don't know, man, being the neighbor, it's kind of weird that it it would kill him that way. However, I guess what I could say in terms of it being him, that would be a way to get those people to come over. If they saw him in the yard or whatever, they'd probably come over and talk to him. Mm-hmm. If he was like, oh, hey, I want to show you, I saw something in your barn. Come, Yeah. Come. Now, the question that still sticks with me, though, the ghost, obviously. We'll get to a couple more suspects here in a second. Is, I mean, I Lorenz definitely could have been in the attic of the barn. Yeah. And he could have been in the house for sure. And if he had a key to the house, he definitely could have been in there. You know what would have been funny is if, like, a ghost did kill them or a time traveler or some shit, and Lorenz was legitimately sleeping with Victoria, but because he was aware of the incestuous relationship she had with her father, he had to, like, occasionally hide in the attic and shit. Yeah, and that's why I think, like, when things went missing or hearing people in the attic or the newspaper showing up, if you were having an affair with someone, that's the type of stuff that is silly mistakes that you'd leave behind. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, totally. So you're right. I could definitely see uh, whether or not Lorenz was was the murderer. I could definitely have seen him involved with Victoria. Uh, up next, we have the Gump Brothers. Yeah, the Brothers Gump. Uh, Adolf Gump, man. What a fucking name. Uh, you're working on a costume. For those who don't know, we do cosplay and shit. Caleb was working on a costume of uh, Soldier Supreme. From the Infinity Folds, yes. which is where, you know, two of your favorite sort of Infinity War characters end up put together. I think this one's my favorite. Adolf Gump might be my favorite <laughs> terrible shrimp you've never had. <laughs> Just Hitler and uh, Forrest Gump fused together. So in 1951... Talking about paint, paint types. <laughs> there's oil paint, there's water paint, lead-based paint, <laughs> tempura paint... <laughs> Yeah, I love watercolor. Somebody draw Adolf Gump for us, please. <laughs> uh, <laughs> it's, it's the little Nazi flag, but instead of a swastika, it's a shrimp. It's the smiley face. <laughs> no, or it's a swastika made out of shrimp, like for shrimp. <laughs> That's a shrimp stu- stu- I can't. Feel free to try to shrimp pronounce stu- that. Too. Yeah. Shrimp stika? Shrimps? Whatever. Yes. So um, in 1951, prosecutor Andreas Pop investigated uh, brothers Adolf and Anton Gump in relation to the murders, because their sister claimed on her deathbed that Adolf and Anton had committed the murders. What a bitch! Yeah. What a snitch, dude. If my sister does that when she's going out, I'm going to be the one snuffing her out. Dude, on my deathbed, I'm going to... I will pull that plug beforehand. What the fuck did you just say? I already have a plan. So, like, in my last five years of life, I'm just going to start filling notebooks with the most (laughs) random garbage, and then on my deathbed, talk about treasure. And I'm just going to make my family go absolutely crazy. No, so as a result, the clues are in the podcast. <laughs> yeah, I've been dropping clues this entire time. I mean, for all you guys know, maybe we have. Uh, so as a result, Anton uh, was 
brought in by police custody, but Adolf had already died uh, back in 1944. Uh, yeah, we all I know, know the story. Shot himself. <laughs> yeah. uh, Except he didn't. He went to Argentina. We <laughs> talked about it two episodes ago. So after a short time, however, Anton was dismissed again. And in 1954, the case against him was finally discontinued because there was no evidence. Man, that's such a long time to have that shit drug out. Yeah. Yeah, prove they did it or not. Um, the poor Gump boys. Next next suspects, Carl S. and Andreas S. So in 1971, a woman named Teresa T. wrote a letter citing the event in her youth. At the age of 12, she witnessed her mother receiving a visit from the mother of the brothers Carl and Andreas S. The woman claimed that her sons... Uh, from Saddleburg for the two murders, and uh, she even said Andreas regretted that he lost his penknife. Huh. Well, as we know, there was they a found pen a penknife in the hay. Yeah. In the course of the conversation. In fact, like I said, when the farm was demolished, they found a penknife, and they couldn't figure out who it belonged to. However, the knife could be easily belonged to one of the murder victims. Okay. Um. This track was followed without results. They didn't figure anything out. And the former maid uh, was certain she had already seen the penknife in the yard when she worked there. Okay, okay. So that one kind of cleared them up. Yeah, she was like, that place is haunted, but I did see that penknife. On to the next, we have Peter Weber. Okay. Peter Weber was named a suspect by Joseph Betts. Uh, The two worked together in the winter of 1919 and 1920 as laborers. And they shared a chamber. Okay. And according to Betts, Weber spoke of a remote farm. Uh, Weber knew that only one old couple lived there with their daughter and her two children. It is likely that he knew of the incest between Gruber and his daughter, and he testified in a hearing that Weber suggested killing the old man to get the family's money. Oh. Uh, but when Betts did not respond to the offer, he was like, hey, we should go to this small farm. It's just these people. We can kill them, take their money. When he said no, Weber stopped talking about it. Okay. So that's the only tie. He talked about it, and he talked about killing them for their money, but once he said no, it kind of ended there. And as we have pointed out, the money was there. Yes. Yeah. So the money who, was still there. Even if the killer was a killer and they lived in the house afterwards, as it seemed like they may have for a few days, which is very dark. Um, but again, I think it's a time travel thing. I think that there's just a window on time travel, and they had to wait for a couple of days. Uh, next suspects. We got three more groups of suspects here. Okay. So we have the Bickler brothers and George Siegel, okay. or as I like to call them, the Bichler brothers. <laughs> uh, so the former maid worked from November 1920 to about September of 1921. Um, she suspected the brothers Anton and Carl Bickler have committed the murders. It just had to be a guy named Anton, apparently. Yeah. Well, apparently there's only like six names. Yeah, Anton, Andres, and Yosef. <laughs> yeah, they really, and they just started at the beginning. German phone books. Well, um, that's wrong. Yeah. That's not how phone books work. Never mind. But Forget what I said. Ignore me. Um, so Anton had helped with the potato harvest at the farm and therefore knew of the premises. And she believes that uh, Bigler often talked to her about Gruber and the Gabriel family. Okay. And that Anton reportedly suggested that the family ought to be dead. <laughs> Man, fuck this family that's paying me. Uh, I mean, if they were known so well... I- Listen, it seems like the claims, or the claims, the actual very real incest that was happening was pretty well known. I mean, it was documented by the courts. That means that the court of public opinion probably knew a lot about it. I wouldn't be surprised. I wouldn't be surprised. Guys, go ahead and leave it in the comments now. How many of you think that Andres 
Gruber should have been fucking dead. I yeah. mean, the dude repeatedly raped his daughter. I wouldn't be surprised if a lot of the people, especially the laborers and stuff in town, the, like, people who work with their hands, yeah, they're going to think about how that dude should probably no longer fucking be around. And yeah. I don't think anybody disagrees with that. No, not at all. Yeah. Um, the maid also emphasized in her interrogation that the farm dog who barked at everyone never barked at Anton. Interesting. So, uh, in addition, Maybe she... Maybe Anton was just a nice guy. She reported uh, speaking with a stranger through her window at night. The maid believed that it was uh, his brother, Carl. Okay. And she thought that Anton and Carl could have committed the murder together with George Siegel, who worked at the farm and knew of the family's fortune. Which, again, wasn't stolen. Mm-hmm. But, uh, supposedly, Siegel had broken into the home in November of 1920 and stolen a number of items, although he denied it. Well, yeah, and that's just a legend, too. Again, this is... Yeah. I mean, as how often if you if something goes missing in a very nice house like that, it, somebody's going to get accused of stealing it. There was uh, a pen knife in the damn barn. You guys calm down. But he didn't steal a thing. He also did state that he had carved the handle of the murder weapon when he was working there. Well, so I take that back. And that he knew it was kept in the barn passage. Interesting. So yeah, that's pretty. But I wonder. If he knew that and he was a farmhand, I wonder how many other people, how many people knew that. that. Yeah, especially people coming in and as, as hands. Like, I wonder how often they hired somebody new and just didn't see him again because they killed them and then ran into the woods. So next we have. I the can't get over that visual. I see Naruto <laughs> running. Is what I see. Hey, you hear about those murders? <laughs> I did. It. You hear about those murders? Yeah, we we all kind of heard. It was a terrible thing. I did it. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Fucking crazy, man. So next we have the Thaller brothers. Okay. Uh, they were also suspected. It does seem like in almost all of these suspects, we have more than one person. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it definitely feels like it seemed like it had to be more than one person. So the Except for when it was somebody, sorry that I've yeah. done that twice now, had, that had a personal relationship with the family. Yes. Yeah, because if it, and specifically in this case, Victoria, because... I mean, I think that's probably unfair. She's probably just a widow, and it feels a lot like they were like, she's trying to fuck everybody, which seems unfair. But, yeah, it, it's odd that there would – there's an insinuation that that's the vulnerability in this family. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so the Thaller brothers were also suspects because of the former maid's uh, statement. Okay. She said that the brothers had already committed several minor burglaries in the area <laughs> – before the crime. Well, it's just like stealing apples off of trees. And uh, that Yosef would sta uh, stand at her window at night and ask her questions about the family, but she would give no answer. And in conversation, Yosef claimed to know which family member was sleeping in which room and stated that they had a lot of money. And during the conversation, she also noted that there was another person nearby. According to her statement, Yosef and the stranger had looked at the machine house and turned their eyes upwards. Oh, okay. So the the alleged machine, well, not the alleged, the the ignored machine house, I guess is what I meant to say. Yeah. But I mean, even then, I think that feels like dudes who work there just bragging. Yeah. Yeah. But again, we don't know who did it. I could see that. I just, the money didn't get stolen. None of this feels like a, a robbery to me. Like, I know these people are suspects, but it just doesn't feel like this was a robbery. It doesn't, mm -hmm. nothing was stolen. And like, the people weren't even, like, you know, they didn't loot their pockets. And then the person stayed. They yeah. stayed there. If you rob somebody, you're going to bounce. You yeah. have your own life going on. You're just trying to put something into it. This guy or person or people stayed in the house, and they tricked this person, uh, what, four people into coming out into the barn to get murdered? 
Yeah. I don't know, man. It just doesn't feel like a robbery to me. None of this feels like a robbery. That's not how you rob a gas station. You don't go into the restroom and then lure all seven people that are getting Slurpees into the bathroom and then go kill the cashier. You know what I mean? It's just a fucking no. weird way to rob somebody. Uh, and we have our last suspect, Paul Mueller. Okay. So an author, Bill James, wrote a book called The Man from the Train. And in this book, he alleges that a man known as Paul Mueller may have been responsible for the murders. Okay. So Mueller was the only suspect in the 1897 murder of a Massachusetts family. And James believes Mueller killed dozens of victims based on research in American newspaper archives. Okay. So that he believes he's a serial killer. Uh, the Hinterkaifeck murders bear some similarities to Mueller's sus- uh, suspected crimes in the U.S., including the slaughter of an entire family in their isolated home, use of the blunt edge of a farm tool as a weapon, and the apparent absence of robbery as a motive. Um, James suspected Mueller, described as a German immigrant in contemporary media, uh, might have departed uh, the U.S. for his homeland after private investigators and journalists began to notice and publicize patterns in family murders across state lines. Uh, Following the brazen 1912 murder of two families in the single night in Colorado Springs, Colorado, and a similar family murder weeks afterwards, a few hundred miles away in neighboring Kansas. Interesting. So maybe he went back home. Yeah. So they believe that he was in the like, U.S. murdering people. That's ten years later. Yeah. What was he doing for ten years? Murdering. You know, because it sounds like he was murdering pretty. I don't know. Frequently. Yeah. And heavily. Two families in one night, and mm-hmm. then that. Not that anything more needs to happen, but then another one quickly after that. Yeah, unless I mean, well, no, it still wouldn't take that long. To How get long did the it ocean. take for him to reboot Dexter? Uh, Ten years, less than that. Yeah, uh, probably. I don't know, like six. Yeah, because you know he. Or no, it was ten. I think it ended in twenty twelve. Yeah, so could he have gone mm-hmm. and like he he became a docile normal guy and then was like, No, my dark passenger's back. I must murder a my whole dark, family. Do you think he sang that song to him? Dun, 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 dun. <laughs> dun, 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 dun. Um so I mean that's what so those are all the like official ones. And while Paul Mueller was a serial killer, I don't know that he necessarily did this. I yeah. well it does fit his MO and I, I think the book is a good book. I just don't think that uh Ten years is a long time to go between killing people. Yeah, it, it's weird. Um, my personal, if I think any of these suspects did it, I I want to believe that it was Carl. Yeah, Carl Gabe. I think it's a, such a cool and interesting story to have a guy fake his death in World War One, defect to Russia, become a Soviet soldier in World War Two, but before that, go and kill the family that a apparently didn't care that you died. Yeah. And two, just fucking sucked. Yeah. Literally fuck and sucked. <laughs> Fucked and sucked. And then he was like, this family sucks. They don't care about me. No one's going to know that I did it because I'm fucking dead. Easy. Yeah, I mean, it would be it would be an easy explanation as to why we haven't found out who it was. Yeah. If the person who killed him was dead... That's a really good, that's a very good alibi. Yeah. It's the one 47 uses for like every single crime. And technically, that also make your theory right too. They were killed by a ghost. Yeah, because he wasn't technically alive anymore. So yeah, I don't know. It's then I guess that's the final one, right? If it wasn't a human person, what do I think? Who do I, who do I think it was? Who do I think it was? Oh, who I think oh, it was? Did you the hash slinging slasher? Yeah, kind of. <laughs> I think, I wonder, I, then my natural thought is, um, my, Big old dumb conspiracy brain agrees with you, and I hope it's Carl. I don't think it was Lorenz. That doesn't sound possible. I think, I think he was having an affair, and he was just kind of 
the reason he looked so suspicious is because he was having an affair. And I mean, if he was having an affair, it would also give a lot of credence and fuel to Carl wanting to fuck them all up once he got there. Mm-hmm. You know, and maybe maybe Lorenz knew he was responsible for it. And when he came back and the reason he was saying fucking weird shit about burying bodies when somebody asked who he was and why he was there is because he feels a tremendous amount of guilt because he feels like he having an infidelitous affair with Victoria led to them all being murdered by her first husband. Yeah. Um, but I don't know. I, I still want to hope that it was a ghost. I like to think that it was like a sing-songy uh, ghost, you know, that like enchanted them out to the barn and like then murdered them for fun. Yeah, like a siren, exactly, like a siren. Like Cortana, though, like an evil siren. Like a siren that h- kills you with a pickaxe. Afterwards. Oh, like a police car. Yeah, An yeah, evil yeah. siren. Yeah, it's, it's exactly. A lot of cop slander in this episode. <laughs> yeah, Fuck you. Yeah. <laughs> Fucking n- not a lot of pig love these days. Um, best cop's a dead cop. Yes. It's the best Shit, kind. that's going to get me in trouble. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, whatever. I'll edit it out for you. I'm going to bleep it into something that's a lot worse. Yeah. <laughs> I'm going to just change cop to something else, and you're going to be in a lot more hot water. Uh, yeah, well, guys, let us know what you think. This is a wild murder. You know, the entire family was slain. Nobody, nothing really happened like it uh, since. There hasn't really been any copycat crimes. The case is still cold. It's been cold for 70 years now. It's definitely worth looking into. But uh, we thought the 100th anniversary would be fun to talk about it. Yeah. Uh, and, yeah, what a wild fucking case, man. I still hope it was a ghost. It might have been an alien. I like the John Titer theory. <laughs> Time uh, traveler. Yeah, leave a L in the comments <laughs> if you agree that it's a John Titer who is going back in time and he just killed the wrong baby. He thought it was Hitler and he just got the wrong house, man. He just got the – how do you get back – oh, what I was going to say earlier, now that we're in – to the podcast, I'm going to go back on a rant. What if time travel is really difficult because while you know exactly what time you'll be, you have no idea where you'll be? Yeah. <laughs> like, what if what if they developed time travel before we got GPS down? Because it's not like they're interdependent technologies. Yeah. So what if they're really, really You inaccurate? just have to kind of, like, piece it together, and he's like, well, they're speaking German. <laughs> it's like... I guess. They just always send you with enough money for a train ticket, they think. Yeah. Yeah. Because <laughs> you're probably going to end up not where you need to be. Or if time travel just kind of garbles your brain. Yeah. So you're just really fucking stupid. Yeah. It's like really bad altitude sickness. They they end up sending uh, time traveling assassins with like extremely high IQs. So in hopes that when the brain garbling happens... <laughs> It brings them down enough that they're still functioning human beings. It's like pretty smart. You can only make a couple journeys through time because when, by the time, if you don't start with a 200 IQ, if you take more than three full trips through time, you're brain dead. You're yeah. a vegetable. You just come out of vegetable. Or however many years you time travel back is how many ticks it takes off your IQ. So you got like, you got like a 110 IQ. You're going back 150 years. You're reverse smart. You die on the way there. <laughs> what happened? His because brain. Like, oh! <laughs> His brain wasn't good enough. That's what happened to him. <laughs> you pop out in Terminator style, so you're all naked, and you're like, <gasps> I forgot how to breathe. <laughs> it's no longer voluntary. <laughs> I have to think about it. Oh uh, yeah. All right. Well, we hope you guys like that one. It's it is of course riddle time. I have the riddle this week. You do. I have the answer to last week's riddle. Yeah. Two weeks ago's riddle. Yeah, two weeks ago. Uh, the riddle was: When John was six years old, he hammered a nail into his favorite tree to mark his height. Ten years kind later, a dick move. At sixteen, he returns to the tree to see how much higher the nail was. If the tree grew by five centimeters each year, how much higher would the nail be? The answer is it wouldn't. 
It might even have been shorter because trees grow from the top. <laughs> they grow from the top and they grow from the middle. So it wouldn't have gone up. It could have gone down due to erosion, but it, it wouldn't have gone up. It may have. Uh, the only way it could have gone up is if in going sideways it somehow managed to go up. Yeah. But it would have been a very small amount. Or maybe it would have been chopped down because <laughs> at this point I don't think trees ever make it that far. He went back and the tree was gone. <laughs> yeah, the tree was gone. He was like, oh, fuck. It's the end of the giving tree, except he missed the, the good part. All right, so my riddle is Caleb has a handful of marbles, and he loses a bunch of them. How many does he have left? Leave your answer in the comments. Tune in next week. I don't know why I stopped for such a long time there. I was like, <laughs> leave your answer in the comments, and we'll see you next week, you motherfuckers. No, uh, thank you guys for joining us. We really enjoyed this one. This is a fun story. Sorry about the uh, the delay. It won't happen again, hopefully, you know, unless the weather really destroys us. But I think we'll be here next week at the same time, if all goes well. We love you guys very much, and uh, we'll see you on the other side. Goodbye.